love your neighbor as you love yourself. Self-compassion helps create other compassion, but somehow we've not learned that well in our Christian culture. We've not accepted that to be kind to ourselves is part of kindness to others. Welcome to the Renovare podcast, a place for honest conversations about interactive life with God. I'm Nathan Foster, and my guest today is Cindy Bunch. Cindy's written a new book titled Be Kind to Yourself, Releasing Frustration and Embracing Joy, a book born out of her own experience and movement towards joy and the spiritual practices that have helped along the way. Cindy's associate editor and director of editorial at InterVarsity Press. She's had many accomplishments in her 30 years at IVP, one being developing and acquiring books for their Formatio line. And part of what makes her work special is the depth and knowledge and experience she brings after having worked on so many important books in the world of spiritual formation. Some years back, she was editor on my book, Wisdom Chaser. During that project, she brought a reflective, thoughtful, almost pastoral presence to our work together. And as I've come to know her through the years, this is reflective of who she is as a person, kind, honest, strong, open and longing for God. And these invaluable character traits, well, they come out in her work as an author. I spoke with Cindy on a video call from her home outside of Chicago, Illinois. Tell me, why'd you write this book? I wrote this book for a number of reasons. I I was processing the loss of my longtime spiritual director, Marilyn Stewart. And so thinking about some of the things that I had learned from her, I was also trying out some new spiritual practices. I had been over a good amount of time, but in particular, a practice of every day writing down one thing that bugs me and one thing that brings me joy. And that practice is really, it's kind of a twist on the examine of St. Ignatius. So what are the things that bring desolation and what are the things that bring consolation? And I was finding that to be a practice that helped me to experience self-kindness by focusing on the things that bring me joy and by letting go of the things that are bothering me or frustrating me. I mean, much of the book is around practices, but this one, what do you do with that? I figured out this is bugging me. I figured out this is bringing bringing joy. Okay, very nice. (laughs) What do you do next? Right. So that, that's kind of where the self-kindness part comes in. I, and one thing uh, that I do that's a little different from how I was taught the examine is it, usually you're taught to do the examine at night. And I found that that just didn't work for me because it's like, so you're going to bed, review your day. And so what that will cause me to do is think of all the things I did wrong during the day. And then I'm not sleepy because <laughs> I'm <laughs> thinking about, you know, my own failings. Um so I, I wait and do the examine in the morning, and I think then the day's already a little bit further behind me, so I don't feel quite as stuck maybe in any kind of guilt that I have over things, a little bit of perspective, I guess I'll say. I think the value in it is owning what, what are the things that are kind of running behind the scenes in my brain? What are the things that are stuck in my mind, the negative messages? And, and sometimes it's something, it could be a sin that I need to confess. Um, but then I need to 
do that and and sort of move on. So in the recording, it's part of it. It's part of that process of letting things go. And then the joys are are the noticing that that God is near in various ways. And what I write about in the book on both sides, for the most part, is simple things, small things, everyday things, because I think that's where spiritual formation starts. It starts with the everyday ordinary. So I lost my keys this morning. Can I pull my day back together and go out in the world and be nice to people anyway? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that's that's part of the journey. How would you describe the book and what people might take away? from it. So I do hope that people will try some new spiritual practices. A a lot of the practices are um, tactile. I think another part of my journey has been incorporating art and visual elements into formation. I hope people might find and try something new. And I hope that people will get in touch with the voices in their heads that are negative. The inner critic I talk about, that is that voice of self-criticism that can really haunt us through the day if, if we don't identify it and get a handle on it and uh, separate the voice that is speaking shame, you know, you're bad versus a voice that maybe says that wasn't the right thing to do <laughs> uh, and, and is more in the zone of sin and confession, but to, to identify and let go of those voices of shame that really haunt us. Help me tease out the, I mean, it's clear when, you know, untrue voices, right? The voices of shame and such, um, that's clearly problematic. What would you say when folks are hard on themselves as a way to motivate themselves or as a way to, you know, push themselves? Is, is that problematic? Uh, well, I suppose it depends on the, on the person. That's an interesting question. If you think of people you know, we're drawn to compassion, to the people that show us compassion. And so I think this uh, cultivating of self-kindness is a way to also cultivate compassion towards others. And so that doesn't exactly speak to your question about motivations. I, don't, I just feel like for most of us, that, that kind of stuff doesn't really work, I guess would be my, <laughs> my, my answer, um, that self-kindness doesn't mean, you know, you'll never be productive again or, or something like that. I've found it, it's not sustainable as a motivator, mm, that, that there is a piece yeah. to where you can kind of, you know, tuck it up. But kindness, it has positive long-term effects, right? That's right. That's kind of what I'm thinking is, again, not just on ourselves, but on the world around us, on seeing others then in a more compassionate way. If you think of people you know who you feel like are compassionate towards others, you'll often find they're compassionate towards themselves. So not always. Probably that, that kind of motivation that you're talking about where you're, you know, just beating yourself up to get something done. It's running on fear, you know, really is. And and you can, I think we know that you can only run on that energy for so long and, and then it kind of poops out on you. What are some of your favorite practices related to being kind to yourself? So I love this practice of what's bringing you joy and what's bugging you. And that for me has really helped me. I've just taken a group, uh, a virtual retreat group through trying out that practice for 30 days. And it's been very rewarding to see them appreciate it. And of course, again, I mean, it's rooted in the examine, which is a long practice that's benefited many people. But this particular way of phrasing it and this particular way of write it down, even if it's just a couple things, write something down. What it does is helps you to see patterns. So what are the patterns that you notice over time over what is bugging you, uh, what's frustrating you? Well, it's often things you can't control, you know? So there's there's one thing that we start to, to get at is 
uh, I, I can't make any difference in all these things that are bugging me. Um, or there'll be other seasons where, <laughs> frankly, it's people. It's certain people. Are <laughs> so there's maybe there's something there I need to deal with about that person, about that relationship that's that's underlying. And then conversely with the bringing me joy, again, the patterns are, well, what are the things that really bring me a deep pleasure and refreshment? And do I choose to do them? Um, do, I, do I choose to go find a new walking path to enjoy, you know, versus sitting in front of the Netflix again? It's, uh, so we're just looking at natural things, ordinary things, the gifts of making food, um, the gifts which you know, we all feel the loss of, of just being with friends, noticing nature. Those are some of the simple things that, that can bring joy and remind us that God is near. Those things can be that whisper of God coming near and offering comfort. The group that was working with this for 30 days, what were some of the stories you heard coming out of that experience? So I think for them, it was uh, noticing the ordinary joys. Of course, we're, we're in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're all feeling those limits. Noticing, I, one thing I find is difficult, maybe particularly for Christians, is it being okay for you to be frustrated. We tend to say, well, I'm frustrated about this. I'm frustrated that everybody's in the house and I have no space. And I've been with my family now, you know, all these days. And then we say, but I'm grateful, grateful for my family. I could be alone. I could not have a house. You know, that way of talking to ourselves, it doesn't actually help us. We, we Sometimes we just need a moment uh, to say to ourselves, self, oh, I'm sorry, you poor thing. <laughs> You're stuck in a house, you know, and, and that's rough. You feel a little better when somebody says that to you. So, so it's that you know turning again that those mental that mental dialogue of turning it to well, how would you speak to a friend? You wouldn't say to a friend like, "Why are you complaining?" Instead, we we offer empathy usually if we have good friends um, and compassion to each other. So I know I noticed people kind of working through that process of how to actually speak kindly back to themselves as they noticed what was bugging them. Another practice that was a lot of fun to see unfold is a really simple practice I describe in the book of collage. Um, I, I really, I love to do collage with just magazine pictures and a five by seven card and see what emerges. I, I think if you take a practice like that in a prayerful mood, opening to God as to what might emerge it is really remarkable what emerges, just finding a few images that stir. Another thing that's interesting about the practice I've learned over time is it's not just looking for the things that attract you, but sometimes the things that are unappealing to you and, and sitting with that. So what, what's, what's pulling me away from this? What's pulling me to this? And, and making that a form of, of prayer and meditation to sit with some of those images and then journal about it um, is, a, is a really fun practice. I think there's something really helpful today with your book in the sense that I've noticed that many people entered into the pandemic with this sense of, oh, a new hobby, a new, you know, I'm going to learn 10 languages and such. 
and then you see this uh, being repeated where people are kind of frustrated and kind of down on themselves that they're yes. struggling. Um, so what what would be helpful from a spiritual perspective for folks who are feeling a little discouraged at the way they've been uh, handling things? That's right. I, I think that's really important. We started out thinking we should be able to get more done. And from a work perspective, I think most of us are getting less done. And I'm still trying to figure out exactly why that is. <laughs> but the, all these Zoom meetings, and I, I have more meetings than I ever had. And it just feels more complicated. You know, in some cases, we have to learn new processes or create new processes for doing things. And then and then we're seeing more and more about the ways that video and Zoom make us tired. <laughs> and then we're stressed. We're, we're all straight. Even if we think we're okay. We say, well, we're okay. I'm okay. My family's okay. We know that there's something really serious going on. And then there's the economy. And then we finally, I think appropriately, become awakened to racial injustice in this country in a really serious way. But that's all very stressful too. So there's a lot going on. I have a little section in the book that I'm grateful I included on uh, racial trauma and particularly in relation to social media and how for people of color in particular, all the things that are out there right now that we're seeing and, and engaging can create and recreate experiences of trauma that people have had. So there's just a lot going on that we have to deal with. And to be able to say for ourselves, what what is a reasonable schedule? What are reasonable goals for this season? Like just, you know, kind of getting through it intact. If there's something that you have time to do that you want to do that's fun, I have I have tried a few new things in, in this season, you know, learn how to make a flourless chocolate cake. But but you don't have to if you don't want to, you know, I, I say to myself a lot, it's a pandemic. That's pretty dramatic. It sounds I love that word. Like, I mean, I don't love it, but, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a big word. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so one of my things is uh, I, I do some little extra things that I wouldn't normally do. Like I needed new soap in the bathroom. I got out the guest soap and I used it for myself <laughs> <laughs> instead of saving it for a guest. <laughs> And we've opened a couple of good bottles of wine and, you know, it's just, a, it's just the small things like take a little moment and do something nice that you would do if a guest came in your home, you would do it for them. So maybe you could do it for yourself. And this is not self-help for self-help sake, right. right? Like help, help me with those distinctions. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Right. And it's not about, I mean, the book is not about having a spa day and self-indulgence, <laughs> you know, kind of stuff. It's, it is about rooting in the practices that draw us to God, that draw us close to God. And I think that that is ultimately what will bring us joy is to, to draw close to God's presence and rest in God's presence. So breath prayer is a very good practice for this season that we're in. I draw a description in my book from Adele Calhoun's Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. So the idea is you draw in an inward breath and she suggests state a name of God, and then on the outward breath, a character quality to match that name for God. And it is a way to just give yourself a little pause and breathe, which we know is good. So an example would be breathe in Abba, and you breathe out, I belong to you, or you breathe in healer, and you breathe out, speak the word and I shall be healed. Or you breathe in, shepherd, and breathe out, 
bring home my lost son. So, and we can, we can write, we can create our own. It's a, it's a lovely way to sort of just check in during the day and slow down. And those are the kinds of joys that I'm talking about. Yeah. I can just totally picture folks in this particular season pulling away from the noise of news and social media and Mm -hmm. kids and such and just falling into a practice. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one because it can fit. It can fit around all the stuff that we have in, you know, in front of us, like, you know, trying to educate our children and trying to work at the same time and and all all these complexities. (laughs) Yeah. I have this theory on on books. Can I run it by you? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So <laughs> there's some books that I, I call them lifetime books in the sense that they took a lifetime to write. That you can kind of tell that they've been working with this idea for mm. years and years and years as opposed to, you know, just kind of dipped in and, and working with it. So my question is, is, is this a story that you've been working with for your life? Is this a lifetime book for you? It probably is. I mean, you, you've you probably heard me say that I didn't set up t- to write a book in, in my life. I mean, I've been an editor for 31 years, um, and I've never written a book book. I've written some Bible studies uh, to date because um, I didn't know if I'd have enough to fill a book. So in many ways, it narrates. I narrate some stories from my life in this period of 20 years that I was meeting with Marilyn Stewart. A lot, a lot of it's in that period. And so for for me, that relationship kind of opened up spiritual formation and learning spiritual practices. Uh, so it, it does cover a long period of my life. And and then I think along the way in that, this period of learning to develop and embrace practices that fit me. Uh, an important practice that I absolutely endorse is centering prayer. And I talk about it a little bit in the book, but the truth is I'm a pretty bad failure at centering prayer. Um, <laughs> it's one of the only things that Marilyn told me to do, which I tried to do faithfully and kind of just really never got good at. Um, so instead, what I love is what I call doodling prayer, um, <laughs> which I learned from Sybil Macbeth, um, who wrote Praying in Color. Uh, the idea is you write and doodle while you pray with your eyes open and your colored pencils or whatever it is out and, and you write about notes about what you're praying or images or whatever you want, but it helps me to focus um, my crazy mind um, more than centering prayer does. So it's, it's that journey, the long journey there is for me is finding the things that fit me and, um, and really draw me closer, closer into God in a unique way. Do you think there are pieces in religious culture that, can feed some of this, the word I want to say is self-hatred, but that's not really the word, but a kind of harshness in the way that we treat ourselves? Yeah, I do. I do think so. Um, and I think I think one of the concerns that comes up for people when they hear the topic or think about it is that I'm somehow saying, you know, that we don't pay attention to sin, which is not the idea of self-kindness. I think self-kindness can be acknowledging and confessing sin. So I, I do think our culture, our Christian culture, plays plays into it. Um, I, I actually was looking. Another reason people write a book, and another reason probably that I wrote, wrote a book, is because you can't find the book that you want. <laughs> and I had been looking as an editor actually for a book about 
the topic of self-compassion and I hadn't found one. Uh, so I do think that is another thing that, that motivated me. Um, you know, a, a key verse of course is, is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that goes back to this thing of, I think that self-compassion creates, helps us create other compassion. And, uh, but somehow we, we've, not learned that well I think in our in our Christian culture we've we've not accepted that to be kind to ourselves is is part of kindness to others I'm curious about your story through the years like I, the movement that got you here to where you've written a book on this topic what's your story so I talk a little bit about the Enneagram in the in the book and so on the Enneagram I'm a four um and the four has a little line that goes over to the one. <laughs> now, the one is the number that's famous for having that inner critic. Um, and But the, the four can move, you know, back and forth to the one. The four gets some good stuff from the one. Like uh, Ian Cron said to me once, well, that's how you get stuff done. You go over there to, <laughs> to get the, to the rules, one. the structure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's the, also it could be the productivity. And so I resonate a lot with the notion of the inner critic that the one deals with. And, and I think most people to some extent or another face an inner critic, you know, what, whatever the Enneagram number or, or temperament, uh, I think most of us have some of those voices of, uh, from the past. Uh, so I do think some of the book was probably me grappling with my own inner critic and how to, how to beat it down. And, and I haven't fully succeeded, man. I think if you want to deal with your inner critic, you know, release a book into the world. Um, <laughs> and, you know, first bad review you see, you say, oh, yeah, they, they were they were right. That's right. That's oh, why did I write this book? I'm just, you know, embarrassing myself. <laughs> so, you know, you know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. Uh, it, really? You know, really? I, <laughs> all the ways that we have now for authors to see the the comments right on Amazon and Goodreads and there's so many ways to get that negative feedback <laughs> that didn't used to even be accessible to people. <laughs> so there's probably a little bit of my own self-kindness, self you know, battling self-criticism journey in there. What's the fruit? These practices that that kind of pull us away, pull us out of the negativity, believing lies in, in, in a sense. Moving into um, being present before God, what, what's the fruit of doing this? Yeah, so I think the the fruit is that uh, we can be more worshipful. We could actually be more focused on God and others um, when we're able to let go of that that negativity. Um, we're able to open ourselves to the joys that are around us. To, to be grateful, to cultivate gratitude every day. But again, part of the, you know, we hear a lot about gratitude practice, right? But I, I think this idea of letting go of the negatives, of the things that are frustrating or bugging you, also helps cultivate that gratitude. And letting yourself, again, that's part of the self-kindness, letting yourself just have that moment. At the very end of the book, I talk about, I have a new spiritual director, and she said we could do the spiritual practice of whining um, <laughs> for just like 20 minutes. She said, I'll, we'll stop it. I'll bring you out of it. We won't, <laughs> no more than 20 minutes, you know, under good direction, <laughs> just whine. And then you feel a little better. 
Now, I you're right on track. There is something about letting awful just be awful, and it doesn't have to mean that you're not a grateful person. But I, I, I think you're right that there can be a sense of, um, well, I feel this way, or there's these negative things, and oh, I can't let that happen, and you know that's that's not being grateful or joyful or whatever nonsense we want to tell ourselves. But letting them live independent of each other, in a sense, Cindy. My hope is that. People will find some life in your book and in these practices. And honestly, I think it couldn't come out at a better time for folks. Thank you. Thank you. I am grateful for the way I hope that it can serve in this moment when we do need greater self-kindness. That was Cindy Bunch. Again, her book is titled Be Kind to Yourself, Releasing Frustration and Embracing Joy. You can learn more about her book at ivypress.com slash yourself. I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to the Renovare podcast. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort, which offers resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find articles and other resources at our website, renovare.org. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. We love hearing your questions or thoughts. Email podcast at renovare.org or tweet at renovare. This podcast is produced by Brian Morricon, who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. Other music is by Lee Rosevere. Until next time, be well, friends. Be well.